Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. Who's stealing your pension? We reveal a big increase in fraud and a need for trustees to take more precautions. Who's afraid of inflation? A new index-linked bond launches just as price rises are slowing down. And who's living in your house? Why you need your mortgage lender's consent to let out a property. All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent. I'll be giving you the financial lowdown in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Tanya Poli. Hello. And Joe Cumbo. Hello. And our special studio guest, Brian Dennehy, Managing Director of FundExpert.co.uk. Hello. Let's start then with the money news. On Monday next week, a verdict is expected in the trial of two defendants accused of defrauding 24 pension schemes administered by GP Noble to the tune of £52 million. Judgment will come just days after the publication of the latest pensions fraud risk survey from consultants Baker Tilly, which has found that nearly one in five pension schemes has reported fraudulent activity in the past two years, an increase of 55% on figures from a year ago. However, Baker Tilly warned that actual fraud levels may be higher as insufficient prevention measures meant more could be slipping under the radar with the National Fraud Authority estimating total pension fraud at only £16.6 million, the £52 million GP Noble case suggests that a lot more is going on. Joe, this sounds like more bad news for pension savers. What's being done about it? Well, uh, you're right there, Matthew. It's just another worry for savers approaching retirement, um, facing uh, cuts to annuity income, and also for pension funds who are under pressure from uh, falling markets and they've got big deficits. What this report has identified is quite quite worrying, that one in five are now victims of fraud, and that, um, more significantly, the gatekeepers who are in charge of ensuring that this should be detected and prevented seem to, to be failing at that job on a few levels. And by gatekeepers, I imagine you're referring to the trustees of these pension schemes who have the responsibility to look after the assets and make sure they're paying out the right people and the right That's amounts. right. This survey was of trust-based schemes as opposed to individual-based, contract-based pensions, which are run by individuals. So there's a board of governors who look at the fund. And it is their duty, one of their duties under the regulatory body, to ensure that the fraud is detected and prevented. And in many cases, for example, example, 16% of trustees weren't even considering fraud risk, so they were absolutely absent in their role. 
of protecting the fund from losses. Let's talk about what what this fraud actually means. I mean, there are many different ways in which a pension scheme can be uh, hit by fraudulent activity. Uh, In the Baker Tilly report, um, what did they identify? Okay, the, the the biggest problem appears to be beneficiaries, pensioners, not internal fraud from, say, someone working on the administration side, manipulating members' data, but at the other end where the income is being paid out. Most prevalent, according to the survey authors, is the pension that continues to be paid out when, when the member has died, for example, if a spouse continues to take the income um, without reporting the death to the pension company, of course, the pension could continue to be paid, but at a lower level if it's a spouse's pension rather than the full pension going to the individual. But there are other types of fraud which have been reported as well too, relating to manipulation of data by administration workers within the scheme and also pension transfers by financial advisors, perhaps inflating the value to gain more commission on a transfer. And you, you've been covering pension transfers mm. you know, for, for some time now, especially in the last couple of weeks, you know, concerns about uh, the wrong type of transfer uh, being made. But in, but in this case, it's, it, it, it's advisors inflating the value of a, of a transfer to get more money out? Yes, I mean, that's anecdotal. In this report, it certainly wasn't, not much information came back about the types of fraud that these pension funds are uh, detecting, and I think this is part of the whole issue, is that, that there isn't a lot of transparency for members about what's going on with their money and with their savings and with their income. And the report's authors do call for more transparency, for example, even more practical measures uh, for the trustees to include in the annual report an outline of the, the number of fraud cases that were detected and what they did about it. So there's more accountability. And just finally, I, I imagine this is quite worrying news for uh, people who are saving into into pension schemes. Um, will they bear higher costs? Will they have to cover the cost of fraud? Someone has to pay the cost, and you mentioned a figure of sixteen million. And that we, we will point out that that's only for local government and central government, and that wasn't for the totality and of potentially an yes, an estimate of what's happening in the private sector. We know that there are millions of individuals drawing um, pensions in the private. sector sector as well too. So ultimately, if the money is not able to be recovered at any point, the employer will take the hit. They'll have to cover it. And the NAPF, which is the body which covers uh, scheme providers, insists that individuals, their benefits won't be affected. But at the end of the day, someone has to pay for the costs of fraud. And um, if the employer is going to bear that hit, you have to wonder if your charges might increase or if the insurance premiums increase because fraud is a big headache for them, that if you might bear some of that cost too as an individual. Good point. So, yes, you want to see some protection of your pension scheme from the trustees. Joe, thank you very much indeed. And for more on fraud prevention measures and also the outlook for pension annuities, make sure you read Joe's articles in this weekend's FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, will your mortgage lender let you rent out your house? It's not quite as easy as you think. First, though, inflation-linked bonds. This week, Seven Trent, the water company, launched a new 10-year corporate bond specifically for private investors, and it will pay a semi-annual 
interest coupon that rises in line with the retail prices index, with the amount of capital that's returned on maturity also adjusted to take account of any increase in inflation. It's the latest in a series of retail bonds to offer this kind of inflation linking and provides private investors with an alternative to the index-linked certificates from National Savings that have since been withdrawn. But this week, inflation, as measured by the Consumer Prices Index, fell again to just 2.8%. So are inflation-linked bonds really so attractive now? Or are higher-yielding fixed-coupon bonds, or indeed the funds that invest in them, a better bet? Now, Brian, in your many guises as MD of fundexpert.co.uk, you also um, produce the Bond Watch um, newsletter. So you look at all of the... Uh, the bonds that are that are being issued. Um, this is one of a series of these RPI-linked bonds. What do investors need to focus on when considering them? Well, uh, generally, the idea of having anything inflation-linked is is fantastic, particularly for people who are, have got a long retirement ahead of them or are missed a, a long retirement. But the thing they they need to they need to go back a, a stage or two before they think about this. And firstly, you know there is no statutory safety net uh, w- with these kind of bonds. The financial services compensation scheme doesn't apply. So just bear that in mind, um, and uh, don't be blasé about that either. Because don't forget that just a couple of years ago, people were talking about BP going bust. So we never know what horrors lie ahead for some very big companies. Uh, be a rare event, but don't ignore it. Um, people should also remember that there is credit risk here on those individual companies. That means there is the risk that this company can go bust, as I've just touched on. But bear in mind with these bonds, it's it's actually a black or white thing. You either get all your money back in 10 years or you don't because they've gone bust. So there is an absolute risk there. It's a small risk, but it's a very real one. And that's why fund managers, for example, typically have 100 to 200 different bonds within their funds. They don't do that for fun. It's actually quite hard work for them to do it, but they do it because those risks in bonds are absolute. And if you're buying an individual uh, retail bond you know, issued by a single company, you are essentially putting all of your egg- eggs in the in that company's basket. And so the, the, the credit worthiness of the company the, and the quality of the, the bond issuance, I suppose, become much more important. It, it's very, very important. And of course, you may satisfy yourself uh, now that, um, in fact, if you look up credit rating for any of the companies that are going to issue in the next few weeks, you know, put, put the name of the company and then put something like Moody's and you'll go to their website and you'll see their analysis. Frankly, it's pretty impenetrable to the, to the most of us. So so you you would look at that and think, well, yes, but I go in their stores or I, or I buy my water or electricity from those and, and they seem OK and solid. But look, we, we don't know what lies ahead. Within the te- next 10 years, it's a long time. And we don't know how the credit rating might change within that period and what might go wrong. That's a good point. I mean, this is a 10-year uh, retail bond. So if you, uh, if, if you buy um, at uh, issuance and you're looking to have that inflation proofing of your capital not just the income but the capital you have to hold it for 10 years but it's not just the credit risk i imagine that could change over a 10-year period inflation's going to change interest rates are going to change yeah there are, the next 10 years is going to be fascinating and it's extraordinarily difficult to know what might happen for example normally bond yields would go up and bond prices would fall 
um, if there was a risk of inflation uh, arising at some point within the next 10 years. But actually, it's just as likely, I think, and a lot of people are overlooking this fact, is that actually interest rates might start going up on government bonds and also therefore corporate bonds simply because people are worrying about the creditworthiness of the individual countries. And that includes the UK and US. Everyone's focused on the periphery of the Eurozone at the moment. Uh, France is next. And then a lot of people would say, well, the UK and the US aren't far behind. Yes, exactly. I suppose US Treasuries, UK gilts, everyone talks about their yields being at historic lows, but uh, that's not something that can be relied upon for 10 years. No, I mean, if you if you wanted me to, to, to guess, and it is only a guess because of the complexity of what we've got out there at the moment, is that actually gilt yields will and, and US Treasuries will go lower. Uh, probably because of some extreme event in the Eurozone when people rush for UK and US uh, government bonds for for safety or at least apparent safety right now. Um, But we're at the end of a 30-year or close to the end of a 30-year bull market in in bonds and it's very, very mature. It could change any time and that could... completely change the outlook for the next 10 years with bonds and investors need to take great care whether they're buying an individual issue such as this one from seven trend or or indeed buying funds and just finally on on the issue of funds for those who don't want to commit to a single company's uh, bond for 10 years uh, what fund alternatives would you suggest well, there are there are a range depending on whether your your objective is is income or whether your objective is actually just getting a bit of a total return better than the building society. If you want safety first funds like M and G corporate bond, Fidelity money builder income, they've got gross yields around four percent or just under. Uh, they've got a cracking track record for in, in recent years, and then you can go up to yields of towards seven percent, but higher yield means higher risk with capital. So. Do be careful with those ones. Choose the fund that uh, suits your risk profile, Brian. Thank you very much indeed for that. And to find out more about this new index-linked corporate bond and indeed those alternatives, look out for our analysis in the money section of this weekend's FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, letting out your house. In recent years, more homeowners have decided to become first-time landlords because they have been unable, or in some cases unwilling, to sell their houses in a depressed housing market. Figures from the Association of Residential Lettings agents show that in the first quarter of this year, 40% of its members reported an increase in the number of rental properties coming onto the market because they couldn't be sold. But these so-called accidental landlords are being hit with higher mortgage costs as lenders are making it more difficult for borrowers to temporarily let out their homes. While most banks and building societies still allow existing customers to let out a property on a short-term basis, which is known as consent to let, some lenders' terms and conditions have become stricter since the economic downturn took uh, grip. Uh, Tanya, um, Lots of people will be in this situation. It's not getting any easier to to sell a house. You found this out. You just you just bought one after mm-hmm. uh, after a long period of uh, of looking. But for those who are selling uh, and but they need to move before they can sell, um, how do lenders' attitudes vary? It does vary quite substantially actually across all the different lenders. So you've got some lenders that 
I mean, in all cases, you obviously have to actually um, get that consent to let in the first place. So you, you can't just do it and keep quiet about it. it. I, th- I think a lot of people out there probably don't realise that they actually have to um, get in touch with their mortgage lender and say to them, look, this is what's happening. Um, because otherwise, if they don't, they could be in breach of their mortgage terms and also they could find that they um, have made their building insurance void as well. So there's these important considerations to take place. But obviously, once you go to your lender, I mean, you've got some lenders like um, Nationwide, Co-op, Chelsea, um, that basically will charge you a one-off fee, usually it's between like 40 to £100, pounds, and then they will also charge you an additional um, interest rate over your existing residential rate. So with the case of um, Nationwide Building Society, that will be 1.5 percentage points over your actual existing um, residential rate. Um, and actually with Nationwide, they'll then let you rent your property out for a period of actually up to three years, which is actually quite generous in um, terms of the period of amount of time that you can actually rent your property. And that doesn't sound too bad. In, in some ways, just paying that sort of, you know, one and a half percent over and above your rate is probably cheaper than a buy-to-let mortgage. I think it depends. I mean, that's that's one of the points that you probably have to actually weigh up because, I mean, buy-to-let rates have actually been coming down um, in contrast to what's been happening to residential rates. So say if you're on Nationwide's standard variable rate of 2.5%, then actually a 1.5 percentage points increase isn't too bad. That'd be a rate of 4%. Um, and that would probably be cheaper than buy-to-let rates. Um, but there's some lenders like Lloyd's Banking Group where um, once you ask for consent to let, um, they actually move you onto a specific consent to let rate, um, which at the moment, if you have, say, a 25% deposit on your home or equity in your house, um, they charge a rate of 5.99% for a three-year fix. Which is a lot more expensive. Yeah, so you do need to weigh up. I mean, you can get buy-to-let rates. Um, there's some tracker deals out there for two years um, that are about 424 percent um with a sort of 1500 pound fee so there are cheaper buy to let rates in some cases so that's where you actually need to do your research don't just assume that actually the consent to let rate um will be be the best option and just going back to that 5.99 percent um rate from lloyd's banking group you, you were saying that that applies to um uh homeowners who have at least 25 percent mm-hmm. equity in the property yeah um some people who are um struggling to uh to sell might not be in that uh, happy position they might have less equity um is the rate even higher for them it is i mean lloyd's banking group are one of those one of the lenders that actually will offer consent to let to people with less equity in their homes so actually they do even um allow borrowers who have got up to 120 percent well so actually negative, negative equity, equity yes, yeah exactly. so they will offer that option so that is obviously trying to help those people who um you know, probably are struggling with their repayments and want to sort of rent out, maybe move back home with their parents. Um, I think the rates that they're charging about are sort of around the 6% mark, sort of edging upwards to closer to 7%. So it is definitely a factor to actually weigh, weigh up. And then it becomes an issue of can you rent out your property for enough to cover these considerably higher payments. Exactly, exactly. And we actually have other lenders like Northern Rock, which specifically won't um, offer it to people who don't have much equity. So they put a, a maximum amount, a maximum LTV of 70% um, for people that we actually let to um, rent out their property. So there are those that actually back away and say no, that they don't feel comfortable, that's too risky for them. Because um, I think a lot of brokers I've been speaking to have said that Lenders tend to be quite happy giving consent to let to people who um, are having to be, maybe they've been posted abroad for their job or they're having to move location in the UK. They're more comfortable with that. But those people who maybe are struggling with their repayments, they actually might feel that's a bit risky and, you know, might be better talking to them about other other options out there, maybe sort of, you know, taking some payment breaks and that sort of 
that sort of route. But I suppose above all, you need to talk to your lender before you do any of this. Definitely, definitely. I mean, we've actually seen some lenders like Clydesdale Bank and Lloyd's Banking Group actually write to borrowers that they suspect are already renting out the property without asking for consent because, you know, either they notice on the electoral roll that someone else is registered at the property or they send letters to that property and they get returned to sender. So, I mean, they are cracking down and there will be some lenders out there like um, I think Chelsea Building Society and Yorkshire Building Society, they will actually um, sort of put your interest rate up by 2% if they find you haven't actually sold permission rather than just the 1% rate if you do seek permission. So they will find out eventually. Tanya, thank you very much indeed. And uh, for more on consent to let uh, and uh, the latest mortgage rates, make sure you read Tanya's article in the money section of your weekend FT. That's all we have time for in this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you'll find all of these stories on our website, ft.com forward slash money. You can follow our tweets at twitter.com forward slash FT Money. And if you have a question that you'd like us to answer about any aspect of your finances, just email us. The address is money at ft.com. Next week, we'll bring you another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Joe, Tanya and Brian Dennehy of fundexpert.co.uk. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor. What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.